Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who for years grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I'm your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. This week on the podcast, my guest is Dr. Heather Brown. Dr. Brown is a relationship expert and has worked with thousands of individuals and couples in psychotherapy. She is published in hundreds of journals, has an active YouTube channel, and has been featured on ABC7 News. She was also the relationship coach on KDOC Daybreak OC and is published in Inc., Toronto Sun, Thriving Family Magazine, Light Plus Light, Brains, Scary Moms, and Psychology Today. She is a regular guest blogger with both links for shrinks and for marriage-friendly therapists. She also has two books in the final stages of pre-publication and will be a TEDx speaker in September. Dr. Brown has an intriguing story of how she found God and how God let her know how he was there for her and how much he loved her. So without further ado, here is the interview that I did with Dr. Heather Brown. Hello, Dr. Heather. How are you today? I am blessed. How are you? I am great. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. I am truly excited and happy that you're here. And I can't wait to hear your story about how you found God. Well, I'm delighted to be here. So thank you for inviting me. You are welcome. So let's get started with the interview. Now I'm going to ask you my introductory question. What was your childhood like? Pretty, pretty tough. Um, my mom was a paranoid schizophrenic mm -hmm. and she killed herself when I was 16. Um, oh, yeah. And my dad was a workaholic. So I am a therapist because of my childhood mm -hmm. um, and what went on with that. I was on my own at 17 wow. and then tried to figure out how to do life at that point. Um, so there was a lot that was really hard, but there was also a lot of searching that came out of that and a lot of questions that came out of that and a lot of choices that have come out of that so his hand has been through all of it that is for sure yeah I can understand why it would be a lot of questions and a lot of searching because like you had to grow up extremely fast and you probably had to even grow up faster because if your mom had paranoid schizophrenia it was probably hard for her to take care of you and probably a lot of things that you saw that other kids didn't see so you probably had to grow up at a very young age. So I can understand the questions and the searching because that would be difficult. Just hearing about it, I could tell that would be 
extremely hard to deal with, especially being so young and then having to just go out on your own at 17. Yeah, it was. It was. But there's also a side, at least with my mom, and I think it is common a lot of times with mental illness, that in those moments where they are grounded or present, gosh, you treasure those. And so I think you learn to really embrace love (laughs) in a very passionate, profound, deep way, because it's rather fleeting, which is is not a healthy model, but I think it does change the way you really look at relationship, connection, the giftedness of what you receive. I'm not someone to take anything for granted. I'm not someone to assume or expect. Um, I really look at love as a gift that someone wants to freely give me. And hopefully that I share more than more than they want coming back. So there's parts to living with someone who um, isn't mentally sound that can be magical right. and can be beautiful and can be spectacular. And those are those moments that I really cling to and, and hold to and, and have tried to sprinkle into my children's lives as well. That is beautiful because so many people, I mean, look at it in like a negative way. And I think the whole thing about it is like, you know that you were loved, you know that you were cared for, and you know that it was just because of an illness that your mom wasn't able to be there for you 100%. But when she was able to be there, it seemed like she gave you everything she had in terms of love and support. She really tried her best. I mean, she had a horrific life, so she really tried her best. I know I'm blessed by the fact that when she was present, Mm -hmm. she really was connected and committed. I know there's some people who are just raised without any caregiver being able to really be present or give much. And I would not be me if that were the case. I wouldn't have my joy. I wouldn't have my love. I wouldn't have my light. And so I do feel very, very blessed for those moments where it was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So as a child, did you guys go to church or did you know about God? What was that like? Um, My mom had struggles with that. And that's common with paranoid schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her parents were very devout. So my sister and I, we went a couple of times on Easter. I remember going with grandpa and Nama a couple of times. God wasn't really talked about in my childhood, um, but I somehow always knew, and I think it was his gift to me, truly, yeah. that I had a knowingness that he was always there. And I I can't even tell you how, other than I knew, and he he was the focus of me making a lot of the decisions that I did to try to really take care of my mom or yeah. to, to try to stay taking care of myself or dealing with what went on in a way that I might not have. Um, my sister didn't have that same experience. And so she didn't feel him and she didn't really know of him. And so her outcome was very different. She got involved with drugs and boys and we had a really different teenage years. Um, I th- But I think he... I think he knew I needed to know him to get through. And so he just helped me know who he was. I didn't have a connection with Jesus. And so that was different when I actively started seeking. But 
I've always known God. Well, that's interesting because most people it's the opposite. You know, they have a connection with Jesus because it's like Jesus is like the good guy. He's a kind person. He fed the people. He healed people. And God seems like the scary person because, you know, he judged people in the Bible and all that kind of stuff. So I've had a lot of people who said they were afraid of God, but they love Jesus. So I think it's so awesome that you said you didn't really know Jesus, but you knew that God was with you. You knew God loved you. So I find that to be amazing to hear the contrast and the difference in your response than other guests have said in the past. So that is awesome. Well, there's also a difference too. I didn't know the God of the Bible. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I knew the God of my heart. I like that. And so I haven't ever been fearful of him. I haven't ever felt like he was going to do horrible things to me. I felt that he wanted me here and was trying to help me through and that I was going to get through and that there was love and there was a purpose for love and that I would be loved Mm -hmm. uh, even if I wasn't feeling like I was in the moment. So when I actually did go and read the Bible and, and, and read, read the old Testament, it was kind of shocking to me. I'm like, wow, I don't, this doesn't quite connect with the present God that I feel. Right. And so that's been an interesting journey to walk through because when, when, when they say, you know, the first and most important commandment is love and that God is love. That was my first knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so I have a very different feel for him than I think some people do. And I'm really grateful for the one I have because I feel really loved, adored, cared for, fathered. I do, I do want him to see all the beautiful fruits of the spirit within me. I do. I do want him to look at me and think, we're doing it. We're doing it. (laughs) So, yeah. That's amazing. I think that just the fact that you didn't know about the Old Testament, you know, God in the Old Testament and all that stuff, I think that was actually a blessing and a gift because you didn't have to grow up in fear and you knew God was with you and you could actively feel his presence. So I think that was awesome that you didn't know. You know, sometimes people say ignorance is bliss. I think in this case, like it honestly is. I was to an extent when I was a kid, I didn't know about all that because it changed my perception of God. But now my perception is different. But I think if I had kind of had an experience like you where I didn't know all that stuff in the Old Testament and it wasn't like drilled into me, I think maybe my perception of God would have been different at a younger age. So I think that's awesome. Well, I think part of it was just his gift for me because my life was so completely out of control. Right. That if the focus had been, you know, Am I deserving of your love? Am I doing yeah. things right? Am I sinning? I I, I don't think I would have made it. Right. I didn't even have room to be questioning what is the best way to do this. It was more so we got to keep mom alive. We just mm-hmm. have to keep mom alive. And so the focus wasn't me for for years. Right. So you mentioned that at 17, you're pretty much living on your own. You had to move out of the house. So tell me, how the knowledge of God loving you and knowing there was someone out there who loved you and cared for you, how did that affect the decisions you made and what you did at 17? Uh, well, I didn't feel that decision was of God. I I, I felt that that was um, a decision of my dad. Um, I was I was really good in school. I was very smart. It was my escape. Mm-hmm. And I loved it because it made sense. And if I did things the, the way I was told to do, they they worked out that way. And so my life wasn't that. So I applied myself very wholeheartedly to school. 
Um, and so I got into UCLA, which was a big thing when yeah. I was a kid, but I wanted to be an actress and I was really good at acting, but my father did not want me to be because it wasn't a wise career choice. And he's right. It's not. <laughs> and so he said, if you don't go to UCLA, I won't, I won't pay for college and you'll be on your own. And I just was not willing. And so I said, okay. And he said, so you're going to UCLA? And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to go to New York. And so I did. And I think what I know what came out of me is that so many years of my life had been trying to keep my mom alive and trying to do pretty much everything I could to try to just be a good little girl and do things right and be smart and take care of dad and take care of the house that I finally realized there's a little bit of time for Heather now. Yeah. And I wasn't willing to have the rest of my life be dictated by what I thought somebody else was kind of telling me I had to do. And so I just, I don't quite know where the strength came from, but I just decided I wasn't going to do it. So I took out idiotic student loans and I went to New York and I pursued theater for a year and, and I loved it. And it also was so incredibly hard to be in New York on my own with no one that I know, knew, yeah. disowned from my family and having massive debt. And so I had to take a good look at what future I was creating for myself. But that decision wasn't of God. That decision was my dad's. And as a parent, I can look back and say he did think he was making the wisest choice as a parent. The way he handled it was pretty horrific. But what's interesting is he wanted me to be a businesswoman. That's why he wanted me to go to UCLA. And I'm a businesswoman. So he had a lot of reasons for doing what he did. I just would have liked us to have been able to walk through that a, a, a whole lot differently. Yeah. And I can totally understand. I totally get it. Especially if it's something you like to do. And like you said, that was your way of, you always did whatever wanted you to do. You just needed some time for you. And to be honest, I think that even though it didn't end up the way you wanted it to end up with you becoming an actress or anything, I do think it probably helped you out a lot just by getting the chance to know who you were and be able to make your own decisions because it, it means something totally different. People can tell you all they want, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. But when you come to your own realization and your own conclusion, then the reason you're doing it is different. And I think that we should do things, especially when it comes to work and career choices, because it's something we like to do, something we love to do, and not something we're forced to do. So I can see that. So when you came back, did your dad help you with college? Did he forgive you? Did he stop being mad at you? Like, what happened? Oh, it was a long, it was a long journey. Okay. Um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't okay with him not being in my life. Mm -hmm. So when I came back sharing that, I realized that I was making a foolish decision with the cost of college, but yet I was still pursuing theater. Um, I went to, I did go to UCLA for one quarter and then I went to UCSB and, and then paid my way through school, but he did come and see the shows that I was in. Um, we would talk on the phone a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, so we did start to have more of a relationship. The place where he really, really came around was when I got a full ride scholarship for my master's, uh -huh. um, his ears kind of pricked and 
he came to my graduation and he's, he's sad, you know, this is the highest education that anyone in our family has ever gotten. Wow. And he said, if I were to pay for your doctorate, would you go? And I said, in a heartbeat. So he paid for my doctorate and I would not have gotten it otherwise. Cause I didn't, I didn't need it. I had the master's. I was going to get my mm -hmm. license and my master's, but being offered a, a a doctorate degree. I'm like, oh my gosh, I would love it. So that changed things quite a bit. And I know that was his way of trying to make things right. And the poor man, I mean, he'd, he'd, he'd married someone who was a paranoid schizophrenic and yeah. she was an alcoholic. And there's something about my dad that, that to me will always be very beautiful. Most men would have left her. Yeah. Most men would have divorced her. Most men would have put her into an institution. And he never did that. And wow. so though there's a lot of places where my dad missed the mark, he he allowed me to have my mother. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't always good. A lot of it wasn't. But I wouldn't have had a mother at all if he hadn't done what he had done. And I'm so grateful that I had her for those 16 years. Yeah. I don't know any other man who would have done what my dad did. That is so true. And, I, and a lot of it was out of love. Probably a lot of it was out of fear. And a lot of it was there just wasn't any place at that time. That was 1979. There wasn't any place to put someone. I had her, um, I had her hospitalized at one point where she was suicidal. And everyone in the psych ward was on drugs. Everyone but my mom. Wow. And so that was where she was going to get her care. It's very different when somebody's hallucinating than when someone's on, on crack. And yeah. she knew it and I knew it and it wasn't a healthy place for her. So I got to have those 16 years with my mom and I will always be grateful that my dad chose that. He yeah. did. He did truly love her. Yeah, he really did. That is beautiful. So let me ask you a question. At what point in your life, because I hear you talking about a lot of different things, when did you begin to search for God, seek God, look for him? Well, I always, I didn't. He was there. Like, I've always known him. But I did start to seek Jesus. Okay. And that was right after my mom killed herself. And I was, uh, a friend's mom had me over for dinner several times. And then she would drive me home without my friend. And we would, she'd park we'd park and she'd say, how are you doing? And I'd always just say, I'm okay. And I hadn't known her before my mom killed herself. And I think it was the fourth Wednesday. She asked me how I was doing and I just lost it. Snot everywhere, tears everywhere. And she was this pristine, perfect, immaculate little woman and bless her beautiful heart. She didn't like, oh, she just held me as I sobbed for who knows how long. And at the end, she said, what do you need to do? And I said, I need a family. And she said, you have one. And I said, I don't need mine. Right. And she said, where are you going to find one? And I said, I think I'm supposed to go to church. Wow. That's what I did. And so the first church I went to, I did ask my dad if he wanted to go with me. And he said, yes. And it was really odd. We had to wear this pin that was like this big that said I am a visitor and we had to stand up and you know it was okay the church was lovely the music yeah. was great the sermon was was great 
not one person came up and said hello. Oh, wow. And I thought, I am never going back. But I also knew I still wanted to go to church. So I just asked all my friends at, at school, like, do you go to church? And one of them said yes. And I said, could I go with you? And she said, yeah, sure. And so I went and I was immediately embraced, welcomed. The high school youth group had all of these moms or or women my age now or actually younger um who didn't have children yeah who really wanted to be there to support the teens and so I was mothered all over the place and I was just I was loved I was adored and I was devoted to that church and had a beautiful experience and that's where I started to understand the love of Jesus it was it was Pacific Palisades Presbyterian Church. Yep. I love that church. So oh, I, that, when I think of church, that will always be my first. Absolutely. Yeah. I was there just got married in that church. They knew very well how to love people. They knew very well how to include people. They knew very well how to understand that we're all hurting in different ways mm-hmm. and that our role is to offer as much balm as we can in those experiences. So it was massively significant in, in my walk. Yeah. I was really, really fortunate. Absolutely. And the fact that you just said out of the blue, um, I think I just need to find a church. I find that to be intriguing because. Well, God's always talked to me and I didn't know it was until someone finally said to me, it was a pastor and he said, because I used to write him things and say, I don't know what this means, but it's for you and you'll know. And he'd say, Heather, how do you do this? I'm like, I, I don't know. Like things just come to me and I just write them and it's for you. Mm-hmm. And he'll, he'd say, well, what does this, what does this mean? I'm like, I have no clue. That's not my part. My part's just to write it. So I remember when I was struggling between theater and psych and God's super cheeky with me, which I love. And so he just slapped me on the side of my head and he said, instead of pretending to be somebody that you're not, how about you help people be who they are to be? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Got it. Yeah. And that's why I started to reach out to master's programs and say, you need to scholarship me because I'm supposed to be a therapist. Like God told me I'm supposed to be a therapist and I don't have any money. And he, he, he just speaks very directly to me at times. And I am so grateful for that. I know it's not something that everyone has, and I'm just really grateful for that connection. And I, I utilize it as, as much as it comes through in the best ways that I know how, Mm -hmm. um, in therapy, what'll happen is I'll say, no, this, and my clients know they're like, Oh, here comes God. And I won't know what I'm saying. It'll just come, but I'll, I'll know there's a spot. I'll, it's there. My God spot's there and I'll go there and it'll just drop in and I'll just say what I have to say. And they'll just kind of go, whoa. And I'll be like, wow. And it's not, it's not me. So fortunately, the only person who's been concerned or scared of it so far that I know of was my husband. Okay. And it scared him. It scared him because he thought maybe it was evil. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh no, I'm not telling anybody what to do. 
I'm just offering them God's love. Like this isn't something where I'm saying you have to do it my way. Right. This is me just speaking in truth, but it did scare him. But so far, not anybody else. So far, everyone has just either laughed at it and thought it was weird or uh, embraced it. So yeah. unfortunate. Absolutely. But I get what you're saying because I'm a counselor as well. And so there are times that I'm counseling people and I don't know what to say. And I know people think that the therapist is supposed to know everything you're supposed to say, and but you don't, especially in certain situations. So there have been times when people are telling me things and I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. What can I say? What should I do? You know, I'm just saying this in my head. And then when it's my turn to talk, I'll have something to tell them. I'll have an exercise that we can do or something to tell them. And they're like, oh, that really helped me so much. And I was just like, yeah, that in my head, you know, I'm like, yeah, that was God. That was not me. Because I clearly, I'm sitting up there baffled, like, what do I say? And I, so I get where you're, what you're coming from and what you're saying, because I have asked God for help in the middle of a lot of sessions. And God given me an answer, told me what to do, what kind of therapy to use. And so I get where you're coming from. And I just think that um, it's God's way of communicating with us, you know. 100%. And I'll do it <laughs> Absolutely. with my clients. I'll say, we need to pray. Can we pray right now? And they're like, uh-huh. Sure. And I'll be, God, I don't know what to do. Like, you got to help me here, God. This is a tough one. Guide us. And then we'll just kind of all sit there and then I'll be like, oh, wow. What about? And then, then we're off to the races once again. But um, yeah, he's my guide for sure. Yeah. I absolutely love that you're able to have a conversation and talk to him because a lot of people think it has to be stuffy and you have to say all these deeds and vows, but it's not like that. You can talk to God like you would talk to your friend. You can ask for advice. You can ask him where your keys are. And he cares enough to tell you and tell you where to look. Every time my kids lose something, like, mom, where is it? I'm like, I don't know. Ask God. And so they'll pray about it. And in my head, I'm like, God, just show them where it is because I don't know. And like 10, 15 minutes later, I found it. And I'm like, hey, did you thank God for that? Exactly. <laughs> like, he found that for you, not me. So I totally get that. I think it's awesome. So let me ask you a question. If there was someone out there actively looking for God, what would you tell them? Mm, I'd say you're exactly where you are to be. Like because that. in that active search, you will find. Mm-hmm. And because you are searching, you know, there is something that you have not quite yet experienced as much as you want. And we can feel that we're supposed to already have it instead of letting the experience of looking, feeling, searching, and waiting for it to come to be a gift. Mm -hmm. I said, this is a precious, blessed time. And so as much as possible, just open your, your ears, your eyes, your heart, um, your hands, and you will find what it is that you want because it is always here. And there's just been the request from your heart to know. And then I always will plant a couple little seeds like, you know, don't be surprised if you start hearing people talking about God around you, or all of a sudden you're drawn to read something and there's a, a message about God, or you might see signs, birds coming around more often, or you might dream and just let yourself you know, kind of bathe in all of that because he's, he's always here. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that answer, especially you're like, you're where you need to be. That is beautiful. Well, if anyone wanted to get in contact with you or find you, how would we do that? 
my website's probably the easiest and it's www.drheatherbrowne.com. So drheatherbrown.com and all my information's on there, my social media, my email, my workshops, my podcast, you know, all that, everything you need is on there. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. There's freebies on my website as well. So please take a look. There's quite a few really lovely ones that I've written that hopefully will bless you guys. All right. Well, that is awesome. So guys, if you didn't have a chance to write it down, I will absolutely have it in the show notes. All you have to do is click on the links and you can definitely get in contact with Dr. Heather Brown. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was an honor to have you here as a guest on the Finding God podcast. And I look forward to hearing from you in the future. Thank you so much. And bless all of you listeners as well. God bless you all. I absolutely love this interview. My favorite part of the interview was when Dr. Brown talked about how she didn't know the God of the Bible, but how she knew the God of her heart. When I heard her say this statement, it reminded me that God can speak for himself and reveal himself to people in ways that we could never think about. It actually sent chills down my spine when I think about how much God loves us and how far he will go to let us know that he loves us and that he is there for us. So if you are in a situation where it's hard for you to see a way out, I encourage you to ask God to show himself to you and give you clarity and verification of his presence. I guarantee that you will be absolutely amazed by his response. The song that we are going to listen to this week is from our Artist of the Week, Josh Snyder, and we are going to listen to his song, Hearts Cry.
I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind this wandering heart to thee. Because I'm just so prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it. Before I end the podcast, I would like to thank you so much for being here with me today and for listening to another inspirational story about how people find God. If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and to make sure that you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I would also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. If you would like to get in contact with Dr. Heather Brown, Josh Snyder, or myself, all of our contact information can be found in the show notes, and all you have to do is click on the links below, and you will definitely be able to get in contact with us. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and let me know that you would like to be a guest, and I will make sure that I get in contact with you and schedule a day and time for you to record an interview. If you would like to submit music to the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you would like to submit a song for the show. In this email, send me a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song that you would like to submit. Well, I think that's all for now, but until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.